and work. Wasn't work. For those who don't know, I have a habit of breaking things around here, so that's why I was a little bit worried about that for a moment or two. We have started a series, we were starting a series this week on prayer. The vision for the church this year is, as you can see behind here, pause, stop, think about, and pray. The, the elders as they got together were talking about the fact that one of the things that we notice in the church is that we do struggle with prayer. Now, as I talk to people, there seems to be this, this bit of a struggle in, in the community, the Christian community, on talking with God. And the pastors got together and talked about how can we possibly communicate and, and share ways that we as a community, that we as individuals might grow in our prayer life, might grow in our communication with God. And we've come up with 20 different attitudes actually 19 because next week we're doing the same one in both services, uh, 19 different attitudes that, that are there to talk about that if we have these attitudes in increasing measure, our communication, our relationship with God will grow. We will communicate more freely. We will actually begin to, if you like, look forward to those times of prayer. If you're interested in studying along with us, we've got study guides. The first two weeks, if you're in a small group, home group or anything like that, and you'd like to join along in, in talking about these things, they're available down the back. Daryl this morning talked about the need to have an attitude as we come to God in talking with him in communication of worship. We have to recognise who he is and how absolutely wonderful he is. The attitude that I want to talk about tonight, or that... I got is the attitude that to me I think basically because I suppose I get to talk about it is, is one of the most important attitudes in prayer because to me it's fundamental in this communication that we have with God and it's that idea of intimacy sharing who I am with him and who he is with me that communication in many ways, and as I've read different things on prayer and looked up through the scriptures, people have problems with talking with God and listening to his voice, which is really, I suppose, what we, we talk about when we think about communication or prayer, because there's something wrong with our relationship. We see God in a particular way or we feel about him in a particular way, either that he's not interested, that he doesn't care, or that we're guilty or, or separated from him or we just don't know him well enough or we're not sure he knows us well enough and there's that break in relationship. One of the things that I've found hardest coming back to the West, coming back to Australia, is... I don't know how to say this without seeming rude. Our relationships are shallow, if that makes sense. I kind of think about us as people as, you know those Russian Mastoika dolls? I don't know if you say that right because I don't know Russian. But whatever those dolls are with, there's a doll inside a doll inside a doll inside a doll inside a doll. Does everyone know what I'm talking about? Can you see them, you take the lid off and you put them beside them, there's a big one all the way down. 
I think we as people are kind of like that. And if I look at the relationships that I have with various people, and I think this is how many people communicate, that outside bit, the biggest doll, right, that we have, that's what we let people see. It, it's not, I don't think it's a mask. I think it is true. That's who we are. But we let them see that. We don't, though, show them everything about ourselves. We, we, let them see those bits that we want them to see. Now, if we communicate with them on that level, the relationship we have, the, the talking that we have, is fairly shallow because they don't actually get to know what's in that next level. We do have a few friends who we let to see that next level because that shows a little bit more of our fears, a little bit more of our insecurities, maybe a little bit more of our desires and passions. And we're happy for some people to see that because we get to see that with them, if you like, and we have a deeper relationship with them. But then there's another level on the inside of that and another level on the inside of that. And sometimes even husbands and wives who are supposed to have this most intimate of relationship only get in two or three levels and that's as much as they let their husband or wife see their spouse. But there's more on the inside of who we are. And we struggle to let people see that. But in prayer, we're to develop this attitude where we allow God and we open ourselves up. If you think we take all those bits out so that God relates to us at the very core of our being. When we are able to let God see that, and make no mistake, we'll talk about this in a minute, he already does see that. But when we open that up to him and we relate to him at that level, we can talk about anything. I gave this example at uh, youth group the other night. I um, dated my wife when we were in high school. And I remember at the very end of high school, my parents decided to go on a trip. We were going to drive from Townsville to Adelaide. I think we got as far as, I can't remember exactly the place, but Rockhampton before I had to stop at a service station when they were collecting petrol and give Sill a ring. Just have a talk. And then I called her up again. I remember ducking out when we got back to Adelaide. I think there was a couple of times. And I went out to the phone and started having a conversation. I rang her up. Why? And we talked for a fair while. My grandmother, whom we went to visit, who I probably hadn't seen for two years, got a hello, how are you, kiss on the cheek, and then I went and talked to Sylvia for a while. The intimacy that I had with my girlfriend, the relationship, the depth of communication that we had, meant she got an hour-long conversation. My grandmother, who saw the outside of me and showed me the outside of her, she got a five-minute peck on the cheek and, hello, how are you? I found it difficult to talk to my grandmother. She didn't know me. I didn't know her. We'd grown up in separate worlds. We, we didn't know each other all that well. But Sylvia and I, we went to school. We saw each other every single day in maths. We didn't see each other in English, but we saw each other in biology and in chemistry and in physics. We got to know each other really, really well. 
So we have lots to talk about. She saw me in in all different sorts of circumstances, so she had lots to say to me. And I saw her in all sorts of circumstances, I had lots to say to her. There was an intimacy which led to the communication being deeper. Our prayer life with God has to, if you like, imitate that. And only imitate because God's relationship with us is so much deeper than a husband and wife. In fact, there was a, if you look back at the writings back for the 1700s, 1800s of Christian thinkers, they actually talk about the relationship with, with Jesus as being a relationship that you have with a lover. They talk about it almost in that intimate sexual terms of a marriage because they're saying marriage is actually only a picture of everything that God offers you in terms of the intimacy and the depth of relationship that he wants to have with you. So I suppose what I'd like to say as, as we do a bit of a talk here is how do we develop that intimacy with God that will revitalize our prayer life. And I'd go so far as to suggest that if we don't achieve that, if we don't allow God to come in and see the inmost parts of us according to our will, in other words, if we don't let him in, he he knows us, our very deep thoughts. But if we don't relate to him on that level, then our prayers are always going to be shallow. Our prayers are always going to be difficult. We're going to struggle with prayer because our relationship is faulty. So let's have a quick look at this. The scriptures communicate to us that God actually desires to have a oneness with him. And there are various terms that it uses. The Bible says that there will be a mutual indwelling one with another. We live with each other, if you like. That his love is going to be poured out into our hearts by his Holy Spirit. He describes the relationship as that of a husband and wife, a parent and child. He he talks about it as being in terms of the intimacy of a plant with, with the branches growing off the trunk. That's how close God wants to be. God already knows all that inmost stuff. 1 Chronicles, when David's talking to his son Solomon, he says this, The Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. So God understands us perfectly. The problem seems to be that we try and still hide that from him. Why do we hide that? I think we hide that because we think either he doesn't know or we think if he does know what's on the inside, he's going to push us away. Why is it that we don't communicate with everybody around us with the intimacy that we do with a close friend? Well, pretty much it is because we're not sure what they're going to think of us. We don't want them to not like us. That's why we dress up differently. If you were to see me in the morning when I get out of bed with my jammies on, right? you rocked up knocking on my door, I'd be yelling out saying, wait a minute, and I'd change out of my jammies into some nice clothes. Unless you were my close friends. Then you get me jammies and all. Why? Because I'm much more comfortable letting you see, not everything hang out, but you know what I mean? I'm much more comfortable with that. So we try and, if you like, hide from God, but he actually sees everything. 
nothing in our lives ought to be hidden from him. We can't really keep it private because he sees everything and he evaluates who we are. Proverbs says that our ways are in full view of the Lord and he examines all your paths. Read Psalm 139 and it says how God sees our very inmost being. And then we try and hide it from him. I try and think about it this way. You know how you sometimes talk with somebody and you're having a conversation and they say, look, I'm, I'm really kind of depressed because no one ever listens to me. And you think, I'm listening. I'm sitting here talking to you and you're complaining no one listens to me. God, God's like that. He knows everything. We're saying, we don't want you to see everything. He says, I already know everything. And we say, no, we want to hide from you anyway. And that's, that's the cause of this break in our relationship. And God wants us to get over that. So how do we, how do we grow in this? I'm skipping a few pages here. Well, I think the first thing we have to understand is that God wants to have a relationship with us. God really wants to come and to get close to us. Psalm 121 says, God will not let your foot slip. He, will not, he watches over you and he will not slumber. The Lord watches over you. The sun will not harm you by day or by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. That's the relationship that God wants to have with you. God's hand is involved in every single circumstance. God is present in every single trouble. The Bible goes to say that he constantly searches out after us. His eyes wander over the earth. We can go through all the passages. But this idea is that God desires us. When we actually look at the Gospel, we have this Understanding that even when we were awful and sinners and enemies, God sought us out. That's how much he wants to have a relationship with us. That's what he wants. So, when we come to learn how to pray, what I would like to discuss is how do we change so that we desire the same intimacy with him. His intimacy the desire of his heart is unchanging. He wants to be closer to us than any brother, closer than any husband or wife, closer than any lover. He wants to know us that closely and love us that deeply. And that's not going to change no matter what we do or where we go. But how do we change? How do we begin to relate intimately to him and you'll be thankful to know I only have five main points the first one of these how do we develop an intimacy towards God that will revitalize our prayer life and that is firstly you've got to want it you've got to want to have that relationship you've got to want to come close to God you've got to desire to have an intimacy with him Desire is the important starting point for any relationship. It's the degree of value you place on wanting to know the other person more that develops the relationship. If you ask Sylvia uh, how we started dating, her story and mine might differ a little bit and don't ask my mother who's here tonight because she'll tell you the complete wrong story. 
But it probably is kind of true that I wanted to start going out with her early in grade 11. But we didn't actually start going out until early in grade 12. That year was me slowly wearing her down. The question is, was she aware of this? And the answer is, I'm pretty darn sure if you talk to her, she was aware of this desire in my heart to get closer to her. If I had backed off, that probably would have fizzled, except in the sovereignty of God. That desire was actually a motivating force in bringing us together. God has that great desire and love for us, but he... If we want to have that intimacy, then we have to have a desire to get close to him. David says it in Psalm um, 42. He says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with my God? So what, what sort of relationship do you have with God? Is it that sort of passionate ones which you're looking for that intimacy or are you happy with that acquaintance type relationship because if you're just happy with an acquaintance type relationship then that's all you're likely to have and all your conversation is going to be is that acquaintance type conversation you know you meet those people at church you shake their hand and you don't know anything about them except their name the depth of your conversation is about there and every time you see them you never get deeper than that They're an acquaintance. No one's lying with one another. You just don't have this great desire, either of you, to get deep and personal. Have you just got a casual friendship relationship with God? Or are you seeking that passionate relationship? If you want to nurture that desire, that's going to take commitment and it's going to take effort and it's take investment. Desire for God can be measured by, if you like, how much we invest in the relationship. You want to develop a relationship where you can talk to God on that intimate level, you have to invest in it. So how much do you desire God? What are some of the things that you can think about to, to look at to say, do I desire God? Look at your time. Do you carve out time in your schedule to be with God? If not, then the suggestion is you really don't desire that relationship. If you don't desire that, it's unlikely to grow. Do you think about your relationship with God throughout the day? Do you spend time actually saying, am I close to God or not? Because if that's something that you want, then those things will be on those ideas will be in your thoughts. How do you expend your energy? Does God get the tired hours of your day? When you're grumpy in the morning or ready to go to bed at night? Who gets the energetic hours? The good times? Who gets that? What does God get? Because, to be honest, if you just spend your time having a conversation with God when you're tired and sleepy... Do you think God's any dumber than your friends and family who can pick that up like that? Sometimes, and this is 
possibly occasionally more true than not. Sylvia comes to have a conversation with me and it's late in the evening. Last night, I'm sitting in bed wanting to read just a few pages of a book before I go to sleep. I'm tired, I'm not stressed, I'm just weary. And she comes and she sits on the bed and she asks me a question. Does she get a good conversation at that time of night? No. She doesn't. And she knows it. And after a few attempts, she leaves. I think God's any different if that's all that we give him in our tired and difficult times. Our energy. What does God get? What does God get in terms of our money and our finances and the things that we own? What does he get? How, how interested are we in terms of him letting him have parts of our reputation all those other things? If we're not prepared to have that conversation and give him stuff in our relationship, it's really hard to get intimate with God. The second thing we need to do, besides just... Um, actively desire to have an intimate relationship with him is you need to actively pursue God pursue him chase after him the more you desire to be closer to God the more you'll invest building your relationship with him if you like God wants to be pursued he wants you to chase after him pursuing God is vital in cultivating an intimacy with God that allows your conversation to be deep and personal to the very depths of your soul. David, when he was talking to Solomon, said this, And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion, with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. The Lord looks down from heaven, David says in Psalm 14, on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek him, who pursue him. Now, pursuing God requires our wholehearted attention. You see, it's really difficult to pursue someone if your attention is divided. If you're pursuing God, you can't pursue other stuff. So if you find that you're pursuing other stuff instead of God, then that means your pursuit of God is not wholehearted. And if you want that intimate relationship with God, then you need to pursue him wholeheartedly. What's involved in pursuing God? Firstly, we've mentioned already, seek him. You want to strive to have a deeper relationship with him. Prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 29:13, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Isaiah said, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. David said, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. That's the first thing. We really have to desire to chase after God. This is very similar, but there's a small difference in it. Not only do you have to seek him, you have to draw near to him. If you like, we have to open ourselves up and be a little bit vulnerable. We have to sincerely approach him with humility. Regret for the way that we live. He wants us to repent, if you like, to come and to 
draw near to him as we are, but to open ourselves up to him and let him have a close look at who we are. Matthew, Jesus is talking in the, in the Gospel of Matthew and he says this, These people honour me with their lips, they say the words, but their hearts, they haven't opened themselves up, their hearts are far from me. James says, Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Get clean and drawn in. Let me rephrase this. See if I can explain this a little bit better, what I'm talking about here and drawing near. Have you ever come home from a sports event perspiring a lot, having gotten very dirty, and then tried to give someone a hug? The only people who hug you in that case are your mother, usually, sometimes, and someone really close to you. Everybody else kind of goes, take a step back. We need to draw near to God and let, let him cleanse us, if you like. Let him see us as we are, because he's the one who wants to know us completely draw near to him and thirdly in pursuing God we need to if you like I'm going to use the word wait for him but it's more I suppose like we get to later on persevere a little bit God wants us to be consistent. He wants us to be constant. We can't expect this drawing near to, to cause necessarily this immediate fantastic result. We have to be patient. Like I said, a year before she went out with me. But it was worth it. God's worth waiting for. His response to the desires of our hearts don't happen immediately. When we come and we draw near to him and we seek after him, we're to be constant at it, to keep going. That's what he calls us to do. Isaiah again says, he says, Lord, walking in the ways of your laws, we wait for you. We wait for you. In Psalm it says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word I put my hope. So what I'm suggesting is that you need to actively pursue God. But don't give up if you don't find that there's this sudden change in your emotions. It takes time. Draw near, be constant. Third thing. Actively seek to know him more. I had to do my research on Sylvia. She thought I was stalking her, but that wasn't true. I was riding past her house just to see where she lived. I was checking out what activities pleased her so that I could ask her to do them. I wanted to see what encouraged her so that I could encourage her in that way. It wasn't stalking. And if she says it was, then she's not quite right. 
Knowledge is the foundation for any relationship. Intimacy is only possible to the degree that we know a person and have a right perception of them. God knows us intimately, but he wants us to know what he's really like. He wants, to know, he wants us to know what his character traits are, what's important to him, what pleases him. When you're in love with someone, you want to find out everything you can about the other person. I suppose I'd say, is that your experience of God? Paul prayed for the Ephesians, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you may know him better. God reveals himself to us in different ways. We, we see him in the world that he's created. We understand his mind and his heart as we read the scriptures. In the Gospels we see what God is like as we look at the person of Jesus Christ. In many ways, the scriptures are God's love letters to us. They're the words of our Creator. They're the words of the Heavenly Father who adopted us as his children, the the loving Saviour who died for us. They're the words of the Holy Spirit who wants to come and dwell within us. And therefore we need to go to them and understand them a bit better so that we know what God is like, so that we don't have this false impression of what he's like. How many times has you got to know someone do you know they're not quite who you thought they were? I wonder sometimes in our prayers is if we come to God and we talk to him in a particular way and we just don't understand who we're talking to and we wonder why it doesn't quite feel right, why it doesn't quite respond right. Maybe because we don't really know him all that well. So I suggest you do these following things if you want to develop a deeper prayer life. Get to know Jesus better. Look up what God's character traits are. Look at his attributes. Read through the scriptures and see what people call him. What are the sorts of names they use about him? It tells us a little bit about who he is. What are God's plans and purposes? As you read the plans and purposes of God in the scripture, you find out about what motivates him. And then you can talk to him in a way that he relates to, if you like. Because the things that you're saying to him aren't Contrary to his purposes, they meld with his purposes. What's the way that God acts? When we come in prayer and we want to talk to God and we say, God, will you do this? And it's completely opposite to the way we read in Scripture, the way that God does things. He's like, haven't I told you I do it differently? I'm getting deaf. I am deaf, not getting deaf. But that's not the worst thing that's happening as I'm getting older. Sometimes I actually ask the same question three or four times. Now that's alright if it's over a period of a few weeks. But if it's over the period of a few minutes, there's an issue. And what I often get as the response is, you weren't listening to me. So, I didn't remember, it was sometime this week, I, I asked a particular person who's very close to me, did they want a piece of toast because I was making myself some toast? And they said no. And about five seconds later I said, so would you like a piece of toast? And they just looked at me and said no. About 20 seconds later as I'm making my toast, so would you like a piece of toast? Now, 
you can understand why they had this impression that I wasn't listening to them. I think God's the same. What are God's ways? And yet we ask and we talk about them, we don't really understand them. Read through the scriptures and look how God blesses. Read his commandments. Look at his promises. Look at what he gives to us. And as we understand him, then we can relate to him a little bit better. Do you want to know all about God? Then have a look at his word. Read it to find out what he's like. That develops intimacy with him. If you don't know what he's like, it's really hard to talk to him. Fourthly, be active in growing in your love for God. Everyone tends to think that love just kind of happens. Love doesn't happen. Many of you are too young to remember Don Francisco, although he has released an album recently. But in one of his songs way back in the 80s, he said, love is not a feeling. It's an act of the will. It's a decision that we make. And if we want to actually grow intimate with God and actively grow in intimacy, we have to grow in our love for God because the more we get to know him, the more we love him. And the more we love him, the more we want to obey him. And the more we want to obey him, the better it is that we have a relationship with him and we can communicate with him better. God initiates this love relationship with us. We, we only love him because he first loved us. The more we realize how great God's love is for us, the more we respond by loving him. So one of the things we can do in actively growing to love him is to consider what he's done for us. Consider all that he's lavished upon us. Why is it that guys give their wives flowers? I love you. Response, I love you back. It works, gentlemen. Spend time. You do this and there's this growth in relationships. So one of the things to do is to, in actively growing in your love for God, is to consider the ways in which he has blessed us. This is what Paul said to the Ephesians. He wanted them to grow in love for God, so he prayed this in Ephesians chapter 3. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So what are some of the things to do to grow in your love towards God? Think about his acts towards us. Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. As we know how he has loved us, we can respond back to him in love. The way in which he forgives our sin. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered much anguish. In your love you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back, says Isaiah. You have loved me so much by forgiving me. The psalm says he loves us so much he doesn't condemn us. Psalm 103 says he will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as his sin deserves or repay us according to our iniquities. He loves us so much that he's gracious towards us. He treats us in ways that we don't deserve. Ephesians says... But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. 
He adopted us as children. John says this in 1 John. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. He adopts us. This one encouraged me. He notices us. He pays attention to us and that should make me respond in love towards him. Job says, What is mankind that you make so much of them that you give them so much attention? He gives us good gifts, James says. He's faithful to us, Timothy says. Romans talks about the way that he always loves us. So as we begin to understand the breadth and depth and height of God's love for us, we then begin to respond to him in love. If you like, this response to him in love drives our relationship because it drives us to talk to him openly and honestly and allowing him to come in and see the very depth of our being. It results in us loving him with all of our heart and soul and strength and mind. And we love him more than we love everybody else. Our love then becomes something which is greater than the love that we feel for mother and father and husband and sister and wife and sister, etc. Not only that, but we want to do the things that make him happy. John says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. The love overflows in the way that we talk to him, we give thanks to him, we praise his name. If you like, the more we understand the love of God, the more we live to have this relationship with him. I suggest to you that unless we develop that love relationship, we're going to struggle in our prayers. And I suggest to you, if we're struggling in our prayers, we don't have this depth of love relationship that we need to. Because if we don't love him like that, if we haven't drawn near to him, if we haven't pursued him, if we haven't sought him, then we haven't opened ourselves up to him. Lastly, and this probably, I think, is probably where a number of the the modern writers come from. You read people like John Piper and others. We have to get to the stage if we want to be intimate with God in being able to just let him see all that we are, to take a great delight in him, to take pleasure from his presence, to take pleasure from his commands, to take pleasure from what he asks us to do. If we don't take great pleasure in doing that, then really there's this break between us and we can't be intimate with him. So what should we delight in? What does the scripture say? Are those things about God that we should develop this delight of, which are going to increase our intimacy? We're to delight in his presence. If we want to be intimate with God, if we want to be able to talk with him, we have to enjoy that he's with us. Enjoy him. Sounds odd, doesn't it? Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence. You have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasure at your hands. 
Though you have not seen him, says Peter, you love him, and even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Is that your experience? If it's not, work towards it. If it's not your experience, work towards it. Because without that, you're going to find it hard to get intimate with God. Your prayer life is always going to be difficult. Delight in talking to him. Paul says that we should just be happy in all circumstances to present our requests to him. Why? The psalmist says, because the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. The prophet Jeremiah, God says to him, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Delight in that communication. When I get home from work after a really difficult day, go to the house, probably have a cup of coffee and just sit and talk with Sylvia about my day. I probably tell her stuff she doesn't need to know. But I want to share it with someone, I want to share it with her. Because she's someone that I love. When kids are really little, they rush in and they just tell you everything about their day. And then they get to high school and tell you nothing about their day. But that love that those kids have, they just want to share everything because you're the most important person in their life. When they get to high school, you're no longer the most important person, which is why they don't do it. But just that delight in communicating. Enjoy talking to God about your life. What can't you tell him? Come to a prayer time and you, you sit there and say, well, I can't tell God that and I can't tell him that and I can't tell him that. Where does that come from? If we love him, if we just delight being in his presence, even no matter how silly it seems, we'll say, God, I just want to tell you this. I want you to know this. This happened in my life and I'm really angry about that and I can't stand that and I love that and I want you to know because you know everything about me and you're the only one who can do anything and I just want to tell you. Delight in communicating with God. Delight and enjoy the things that he's made for you. Enjoy the creation. Get out of the electronic bubbles that you live in. Get out to the what God's made. Get out of those, those offices. Spend some time with what God's made and enjoy it. When you're in that place, enjoying what he's made... It's easier to be intimate with him. Enjoy what God is like. It's really not fair on Syl to keep talking about her. But she's the closest relationship that I have with anybody, so I figured it's fair enough. As we've got to know each other more over the years, I talk with her about different things than I did when I was younger. Because I know her better. I know now what interests her, what doesn't interest her. The parts of her that I like are the ones that I really enjoy. And I enjoy different things about her than I did when I first met her. 
some of the things that I didn't enjoy about her when I first met her, I now do enjoy about her. Why? Because I love her. Begin to enjoy who God is and all the things about his character, his sovereignty, his holiness, his purity, his greatness. Delight in his word, the commands that he says. And if you can do nothing else, delight in his salvation that he gives to us. We're being adopted as children. Isaiah says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. The psalmist says, Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. Delight in God's goodness. Enjoy his daily blessings. Putting that all together, let me put it this way. If you want to get close in your prayer life with God, learn to love Him. To learn to love Him, you've got to know Him. When you know Him, you've got to make those things the most important for you. If you don't get your relationship right with God there, how is it going to work that you come and you talk to Him and you're expecting to show Him the innermost part of your being in openness and honesty? And the answer is you can't. So if you want your prayer life to be all that God promises it to be, which is this great opportunity that we have to share with him every part of our life, then you have to take some active steps towards loving him like that, desiring him, delighting in him, wanting him. And if you're struggling to do that, then you must put yourself on some sort of, if you like, program to actively seek after him. Don't just stay stationary thinking that somehow it's just going to happen. Love takes hard work. So if you want your prayer life to increase, then you have to get intimate and close with God. Let's pray before we sing a song together. God, you're amazing absolutely fantastic you know every single part about us and we're so thankful you give us your word that we can know more about you but Lord we don't really we don't often give you the attention that you deserve we get sidetracked by the things around us people around us work other things that we want to do instead of you. Then we wonder sometimes why our relationship with you just doesn't have everything it should have. Why we don't seem to be able to talk with you like we ought to be able to. Father, I pray that you'll encourage each of us here to just desire to know you, to want to get close to you, to understand your love and your character and see what it is that we can do that will just bless you, that will make you happy, that will please you. Because that's what people who love one another do. So Father, I pray that you'll help each of us here to develop in our love for you. Now that might overflow in the way that we relate even in the words that we say to you and the way that we listen to you. 
Father, I ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.